Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, December 6, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. Norlander, what's up on this Friday morning? Parrish, uh, I got a dead deer in my front yard right now. <laughs> I woke up inside of a David Lynch movie. So my... <laughs> I'm freaked out. I'm, I'm happy I'm here with you because it's comfortable. It's cozy. But I wake up. My wife brings our four-year-old, pulls out of the driveway to take him to pre-K. She calls me goes, we've got a dead deer in our front yard right now. And I go, I don't, there's no deer. I don't see it. It's tucked behind a bush from my vantage point. So I walk to another side of the house where I can look. And sure enough, it's like, it's like, 30 feet from the road. I live off of a relatively busy road. I'm not like off on a, you know, in a, in a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood. So we have, there's consistent traffic in front of our house. And this doesn't look like a situation where we had a deer hit by a car and it just, you know, wound up on the sidewalk or 10 or 10 or 12 feet from the road. This, this puppy is like 12, 15 yards deep into our yard. And I'm freaked the hell out right now. I'm freaked right now, Parrish. I call, get this, get this. So I call, my wife goes, you got to call animal control because we actually live near elementary, middle school, and high school. Like when our kids get older, they're going to be they're going to be able to walk to school. I can hit the high school with a driver from where I live. And so she says, you got to call animal control. So I call I call animal control, and I've never dealt with this before. And uh, they go, okay, um, so is the is the deer on your yard? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, they're like, it's not on the road. I was like, no, no, it's like 25, 30 feet into the road. I don't know if it just thought this is where, it, it, it's like, okay, this is where I'm going to die. This is where I want to die right here. And the woman goes, well, we don't take, we don't take deer off of people's property. We don't even deal with deer. That's highway control. And oh I said, God. I said, okay. <laughs> and she said, yeah, you're going to want to call highway control but highway control won't go on people's property to remove animals. They'll only take it if it's on the side of the road. And I said, hold up. So you're telling me right now that I've got to go pull what I presume is a 250-pound animal 25 feet from my yard to the side of the road for highway control to take it? And she said, yeah, that's 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 usually what happens in instances like this. And I'm thinking, instances like this? How often do you have a dead deer in someone's yard? And you're asking these... Now, I understand it's my property. I'm terrified right now. I'm going to take a picture. Would, would you... How comfortable would you be? Let's, let's For the sake of the conversation, it's it's not so heavy that you can't move it. You're capable of doing it. I have no idea. Can, can you do it? I don't know. Can you do uh, have you ever pulled a deer in your life? No, have you ever? Have you ever attempted? <laughs> where we sometimes talk, talk camel fighting, leaky black, and dead deer. I asked if I've ever pulled a deer. You live in Mississippi. You live in Mississippi. You live in Mississippi. These things might happen. This is very. Your story is very much a Mississippi story. I live in Mississippi. I uh, my wife hit a deer not too long ago. We were in a uh, a courtesy car from a car dealership that was a advertiser on the radio show. And so it wasn't even my car. My wife's driving a, a car dealership's car, hit a deer. And so we called, you know, it was it was lying on the road. It wasn't completely dead, but it was like it it wasn't gonna survive, but it wasn't dead yet. And so we call the whoever you gotta call and uh, they come out and they're like, uh, so what happened? And she's like, I was driving and a deer ran out and I hit the deer. 
and they said, okay, we'll handle this. And I was like, okay, they're going to handle this. Next thing I hear, pop! <laughs> they shot that deer oh, right in his head. It was over with. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, that seemed to, that was aggressive. I mean, right, it was probably the humane. Humane. Do, but, but like, yeah. Yeah, but like, geez, I wouldn't expect it. I've never seen it. I'm, 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 I'm from Mississippi, that's true, but I've never been a hunter. I've never hunted. Yeah. So I've never seen a deer with my own eyes get shot. It was startling. It's creepy as F, man. I walked up to this thing before we podcasted, and I was like, I just got to look at what's going on here. Its eyes are open. Like, I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, am I seeing this thing still breathing? Am I seeing the stomach, like, gently go up and down? I was like, I don't think so. And then, like, you want to back away, but you want to get closer. Uh, I got a freaking and, – and the thing is, so I'm, I live near all these schools. Like, I got kids walking past our house, going to middle school – Going to the high school, and they got this deer next to our tree in our front yard. Like, what am I doing? How am I living right now? What is going on? Well, can't you? Can't, okay, so here's here, here's what I think my plan would be if I were you. Uh, you you get a couple of high school kids, and you like you pay yeah. them twenty bucks to pull a dead deer twenty feet. They'll do that. So, high school kids don't care. I guess he, <laughs> they probably don't. Uh, but so I, it's it's ten thirty Eastern here. I got about. High school lets out at about 2.30. So I got four hours to, to go get the cash, <laughs> stand at the end of my driveway, wait for these wait for these, these 14, 15-year-olds to walk by and be like, hey, 40 bucks if you guys pull this thing 25 feet. I can't wait till you get arrested for trying to recruit high school kids to pull a dead deer off your property. <laughs> I'm going to take a photo and post it to Twitter after this podcast. It's it's just – it's it's creepy as hell i mean i just i felt like i was in an episode of twin peaks so anyway we can get to, to hoops here but it is it is not common when we start the pod and there is a significant life event that has happened uh and psychologically damaged me but that's that's what i'm living with right now dude if you don't have video by the end of this day of you pulling a dead deer through your yard then you happen. have wasted not, this opportunity i'm not pulling a dead deer it's not gonna it's not gonna happen okay it's not i uh, Gosh, my wife's like, do we, do we, should we cover it? And I'm like, we don't even have a tarp. And she's like, well, do you want to put one of our blankets over it? I was like, then we're burning the blanket. Like, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to wash the blanket that I'm covering with, with a dead deer. That's not happening. What's going on? Hey, uh, hey, sweetheart. Um, Saturday night, the kids are asleep. Let's cuddle up on the couch with our dead deer blanket and watch a movie. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's oh, sick. Okay, anyway, um, dude, we got some good basketball to talk about. And by good, I mean DePaul, right? Is that where you want to start? It is where I want to start. I want to start by doing something we've literally never done before, and that's discuss at length the DePaul Blue Demons, the undefeated DePaul Blue Demons on Wednesday night, Purdue smashed Virginia by 29, Ohio State embarrassed North Carolina by 25, and yet by the end of the night, all anybody was doing was tweeting about DePaul. Final score, 65-60. They beat Texas Tech in overtime, and yes, I know Texas Tech had just last week lost to Iowa and Creighton, and I, you know, I wrote an entire Politex column about a dude who clearly didn't know that happened, and I also know that... Uh, Texas Tech's leading scorer, Jamias Ramsey, didn't play in the game. He's got a hamstring injury. But why focus on that when we can focus on DePaul being 9-0 and for the first time since the 1986-87 season? Norlander, you're enjoying the story as much as I'm enjoying the story? I am so enjoying this story. 9-0, um, the Texas Tech game was 
one of those weirdly thrilling, awesome, bad games. You know, I was watching most of it on the on the second TV there, and it was you know it was it was bumpy for a good while there, and then it just becomes thrilling. Like it gets to overtime, Jalen uh, Coleman Lands is just going nuts, hitting these threes to keep him alive, and they actually traded some threes late there, and they did it despite Charlie Moore, the Kansas transfer, uh, not really having a good game overall. Paul Reed's been a great player this season. Um, this is an awesome story, man. Like, I don't know if it will continue, if it can continue. I think it probably can. They got Buffalo this weekend. Then they've got UIC, and then they play at Cleveland State. Uh, obviously a very bad Cleveland State team. Then it's Northwestern at home at Wintrust uh, where DePaul plays. So there is the possibility. There is the possibility DePaul is 12-0 and heading into Big East play at the end of the month. That would be an incredible story. Um, if it beats Buffalo on Sunday, I think it's a near lock. DePaul is going to be ranked. You've got him in the top 25-1. and one. I did my power rankings, and I was just draped in, in DePaul fever. I put him at number nine. Not that I think it's the ninth best team, <laughs> but with the way that they are playing and getting the road wins against Boston College, I know not that good, but they've won at Iowa. At Boston College, at Minnesota, three true road wins. Um, I just, I just, you know what? I just went totally overboard, and I love it. So yeah, and DePaul fans were very this fan base, and yes, DePaul does have a fan base. Okay, it's in a, it's in the second, third largest city in the country. They have been starving forever. Last made the tournament, two thousand four. Who was the coach then? Well, of course, it was Dave Lato. He just left and then returned since then. This is his second coaching tenure. So I really love this story. We get a few genuine surprises every season in this sport. No one saw DePaul 9-0 coming. I love it, man. I love it. Well, what makes this different, I think, because, like, listen, um, teams that were supposed to be bad are good every year. Every year it happens. To some, Ole Miss was picked last in the – in the SEC last season, in the preseason, went to the NCAA tournament, spent part of the season ranked. But it didn't get, like, the buzz that DePaul gets. And the reason I think, the reason this is different is because, and I'm not sure exactly how this happened. You might know. DePaul became, like, the punchline of college basketball. Almost like Nickelback has become yeah. the punchline of music. Like, if you're going to make a music joke, you tie it to Nickelback, right? You walk, you turn on game day on Saturday morning. Uh, somebody's got a Jim Harbaugh likes Nickelback sign, like right? Nickelback just sort of became this thing. Now Nickelback is. Let me be clear. I'm not a fan. I don't own the albums, but like hugely successful band, like sells out arenas, and yet they become this punchline of music. Similarly, DePaul's not the worst basketball team in Division One or anything close to that. Never has been. And yet, if you were going to make a basketball joke. DePaul became the, the the name that you you used. And so what we're watching right now with DePaul being 9 and 0, nationally relevant with a win over yes, a shorthanded and flawed Texas Tech team, but a Texas Tech team that played for the national championship last season and was preseason top 15 in the AP poll this season. Um, what we're watching is like if Nickelback suddenly had album of the year <laughs> like that's that's what DePaul being nine and zero and and nationally hmm. relevant is. It's like if if the Nickelback in the year two thousand nineteen won a Grammy for album of the year. It's a total total plot twist, mega plot twist. And add just as a, a side note, like DePaul being this was surprising. How about the fact that the only two teams still undefeated in the Big East are DePaul 
and the Butler Bulldogs, who are 8-0 and doing well for themselves uh, as well. And they got a big game on Saturday against Florida there. But yeah, credit to credit to Lato, because you know what? News came out in the offseason that DePaul, which, by the way, was tangentially even connected to the FBI investigation, um because of assistance on the staff and, and connections with some recruits there, there was news that you know they were working on extending Dave Lato's contract, and yeah, that became a joke. That became a punchline where it was like, it's DePaul. Like, it, he's so far under 500 for his career. They finished above 500 last season, 1917, but were again uh, among the worst teams in the Big East as usual. And now it, it just it seems to be paying off here. And um, you know, you get a player like Coleman Lands who. It's taken him four or five seasons to to seemingly click. He was he was an okay player at Illinois, but never the player that uh, that people thought he would be. He's been good. Paul Reed grown into a nice player overall. Um, Romeo Weems is a nice freshman there. So uh, credit to the Blue Demons. I don't yet know if this team is going to the NCAA tournament, but I'd really loved if we could see that. I mean, I, you get these schools that can uh, that can end these droughts, and for if you're in a power conference, which DePaul is. And you should never, ever go more than 10 years without making the tournament. Now, I understand it happens, but that should really not. That should never be the case. DePaul has just been um, – it has been to college basketball now what the Clippers were to the NBA for about two and a half decades. And uh, while I don't think DePaul is going to turn into the modern-day Clippers or anything like that, they don't got a Kawhi on this squad. Um, they certainly can compete and be a player. And, yeah, they we, we could see one of the longest – in fact, I – I got to believe that's the longest power conference route for the tournament uh, for any program in America. They do not have a Kawhi Leonard on the DePaul roster, but they do have a Charlie Moore, averaging 15.9 points, seven assists, three rebounds, in 33.1 minutes per game. What a story he is, shooting 37.8% from three point range. This dude has lived everywhere, all right? From Chicago, committed to Memphis out of high school, decommitted when Josh Pastor left for Georgia Tech. Went to Cal, played one season, transferred to Kansas, set out, played last season at Kansas, but just barely, averaged 2.9 points in 13.1 minutes per game, transferred to DePaul, and now he's looking like an all-Big East player. So that's a, you know, a young man from Chicago, bounced around, now back home and flourishing. So that's nice, too. It is nice. And just a quick note on, on Texas Tech. Um Texas Tech five and three, three straight losses here. Uh, you know, dropped two games against Iowa and Creighton out in New Orleans during Thanksgiving. Um, the wins are over. You know, low major fodder. Uh, just no one of note there. And and next comes. Uh, Versus Louisville, number one ranked Louisville, and Louisville should be number one again, obviously, when they play Tuesday at the Jimmy V. I will be there at the Garden for that game. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know if you picked up on this, Parrish, or not, but the, the final four teams from last season, Texas Tech, 5-3. and three. Michigan State, 5-3. and three. Both, you know, hugely under, underachieving at this point. And Virginia, although it only has one loss, uh, lost brutally by 29 points and has absolutely no offense. And then... You've got the Auburn Tigers, who are 8-0, and and uh, they needed OT to win on Wednesday night against Furman. Um, but as we were prepping for the podcast, I knew we would talk about Tech. It just kind of popped in my mind. Uh, Auburn hasn't gotten the love, but they're the only team that that looks, you know, above expectation of what they were thought to be. And they were a preseason top 25 team and all that stuff. But uh, But a lot of final four hangovers for those programs right now. No question. So shouts to DePaul. Started 76 at Ken Palm. Up to 50th now. You mentioned could be 12 and 0 when um, they start Big Ten play. I mean Big East play. Um, 
I think it's thir- it's reasonable to assume they'll be 13 and 0. They'll at least be favored in every game between now and when they get Seton Hall on December 30th. Let me make sure that's right. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. They should be 13 and 0 heading into that Seton Hall game on December 30th. Um, it's a home game, and if they win that, I don't know if they'll be on everybody's top 25 ballot before that game, even if they're 13-0, and but if they are to knock out Seton Hall and you move to 14-0 and with wins over Texas Tech, Seton Hall, and those road wins you referenced, then it will be, I think, impossible to, for anybody to keep them off of a top 25 ballot. So anyway, interesting story uh, in the Big East. DePaul is nationally relevant like i mentioned earlier in norlander also virginia got its brains beat in wednesday night so did north carolina we're going to get into that next first though check this out are you looking for a new basketball shoe if so this is gary Parrish here to tell you that the new balance two-way v4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning every step feels explosive and dynamic and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable so whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Virginia's 13-game winning streak was snapped Wednesday night. They lost 69-40 at Purdue. Virginia missed 20 of 24 three-point attempts. It was ugly. Meantime, North Carolina took its worst loss at home under Roy Williams ever. Tar Heels lost 74-49 to Ohio State. They missed 16 of 23 three-point attempts. Armando Baycott left that game just seven minutes in with an ankle injury. Roy has subsequently said he expects the freshman big is going to be, quote, out a while. Norlander, you had I went and looked it up this morning yeah. while you were dealing with a dead deer. Yeah. You had North Carolina and Virginia finishing first and second in the ACC in the <laughs> preseason. If I allowed you to reconsider right now, would you reconsider right now? <laughs> oh, boy. I would reconsider, but I'll, I'll, I'll dig my heels in. December 6th, long season to come here. Those offenses – they have issues here. Um, now, UNC, law, you know, we're going to get to them in a second, but you know, they lost Baycott. So it's not like it's Cole Anthony, absolutely nobody, but it certainly looked like that. Virginia, that was the, I mean, that was the nightmare scenario for, for the Wahoos, just in terms of how they lost and what, everything that went wrong. Um, it was the first regular season loss for Virginia since uh, they dropped a game against Duke uh, back in early February. Um, so, you know, impressive run comes to an end there, but... Uh, there's just no denying that the offense is going to be, you know, when I did the court report earlier this week and I led with all the stuff on Virginia, had a chance to be the best defense of the modern era. Um, 
That can still, by the way, happen. I mean, it's still comfortably the best defense in, in college basketball right now. Opponents are only averaging like 43 a game, best defensive efficiency, all that all that stuff. Um, but I did not – I had a quick line in there. I didn't address the offense. I said I will save that for another time. Well, we can address that here right now because um, it's just bad, Ben. Uh, they don't get to the foul line. They can't shoot threes at all. They are 347 in the nation from beyond the arc, 24% of their trays. And here's the thing. You're not. You're eight games into your schedule, and you're shooting 23.8%. Your best case scenario, if you're Virginia, your best case scenario is that you get that to like 30% at the end of the season. And even that's not going to be good enough. So um, in the modern era, even if you have the best defense ever, um, Virginia fans that are hoping like, okay, maybe we are going to have this epic defense and we can even like sneak back into a Final Four. If you can't hit more than a quarter of your threes, that's just not going to happen uh, because you're going to run into teams a lot closer to the level of Purdue than the level of James Madison, a mediocre Syracuse team, an Arizona State team that might not even get to the tournament uh, overall. So, yeah, I have my questions here. They don't have the perimeter shooters. They don't have Braxton Key. I understand that. But uh, but had they had Braxton Key on the floor, they might have lost by 22 instead of 29 against Purdue. And one more note on the game, Parrish, and take it wherever you want. Uh, uh, Purdue... Uh, fifth at Ken Palm, but it's just not Ken Palm. Purdue ranks as a top 15 team in almost every mainstream advanced predictive metric. So uh, while it has three losses, Texas, Marquette, and Florida State, those are relatively respectable losses. The only one coming at home by four to Texas. Um, that was a case where Purdue was favored, maybe looked a little bit weird going in because they're a four and three record, but you can understand why sometimes these uh, predictive models can be reliable uh, and certainly that's the case there right now because though, though the Boilermakers don't have a strong record, they look like a strong team. I don't think they're a top 10 team in America, but I definitely think that they are top 25 quality without question. Real quick on Purdue, because I had somebody ask me when I updated the top 25 and one on Thursday morning and I didn't have Purdue in it. They're like, yo, yo, Purdue is exactly what you said. Top five in all of these different um, computer rankings, including Ken Palm. And coming off of a 29-point win over the reigning national champions, like how can you not rank that team? Uh, the truth is they're five and three with two losses to unranked teams. If I would have per put Purdue in the top 25 and one, it wouldn't have been ridiculous. I mean, you could I could easily justify it if you asked me to. But if I would have put Purdue in the top 25 and one with this body of work, they would be the only team in the top 25 and one with two losses to unranked teams. Nobody else listed mm. has that on their resume right now. So Purdue is undeniably good, but I think it's reasonable um, to leave them unranked right now if you choose to leave them unranked right now. Um, with Virginia, you know, just some more numbers that are disturbing. You mentioned the 23.8% from three-point range ranking, 347th in the country. Um, their effective field goal percentage is 44.8. That's 299th in the country. They're now 120th in offensive efficiency. It is um, it's bad any way you look at it. And so people will often after a game goes a certain way, particularly a game is lopsided in, 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 a, in a certain direction. Who is who does this say more about? Right. We've all heard that. Who, what, what, what does this say about who, who does this say more about this team or that team? And I think if we are to take these two games where the ACC schools got hammered on Wednesday night and ask that question. I would say that Purdue beating Virginia by 29 points, I think it says more about Virginia, about the limitations that that team is going to have, especially and undeniably on the offensive end of the court. And yet, if you ask me the same question about North Carolina, Ohio State, 
I think it says more about Ohio State. I think Ohio State's really, really, really good. They've now got a 24-point win over Villanova and a 25-point win over North Carolina. You can fluky shoot your way to a 20-point win over a good opponent one time, but when you're smashing everybody and beating you know, nationally ranked teams by more than 20 points multiple times, I don't think that's an accident. I think that says that you're – you got the goods. Wonderful night for the Big Ten on Wednesday. Uh, Purdue doing what it did, and yes, Ohio State just smashing North Carolina, which lost Armando Baycott. Um, but similar, like if Virginia would have lost by 22 instead of 29 with Braxton Key, then UNC loses by 18 instead of 25 if they've got Baycott on the floor there. Um, are we gonna? Hey, I'm gonna ask you to spoil one. Are we gonna talk UNC UVA in the final four and one? I didn't put it in the final form okay. one because I figured we would get to it right here okay. because they do. That's another just sort of interesting thing about this. Both these teams are, at least on paper in the preseason, supposed to be national championship contenders. And yet now they're both coming off losses by more than 20 points. They're both missing key players and they play each other on Sunday. So somebody's going to go to bed Sunday night, either Roy Williams or Tony Bennett on a two-game losing streak, and those aren't men who usually deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the game is obviously, you know, you, you look and you're, you haven't even done your Christmas shopping yet, and, and you got Virginia and Purdue, uh, Virginia and North Carolina playing, you're like, well, this is weird. Well, this is a function of, of a 20-game ACC schedule, and so you've got ACC intra-league games uh, on Saturday and Sunday in college basketball, which is like, it's a fun little perk there, but yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, good on the ACC, by the way. If, if you've got to do this, this is what you absolutely do. Uh, you sprinkle in a couple of high-profile in league games before we get to the thick of the schedule. I'm not saying Duke Carolina. Uh, that feels more appropriate when that first meeting happens right around Valentine's Day. But Virginia UNC, absolutely, absolutely do you do that there. And uh, I don't know what the over-under is going to be on this. The Ken Palm projected outcome is 61-55 Virginia. I will, t you know, this isn't going to be an official picker here or whatever, but um, since we're not in the final form one, but I, I think that Virginia will win the game. Um, I, I think it will, but uh, that's the game I'm looking forward to more than any other, just out of curiosity. Now, if Carolina loses, it's going to be 6-3, and three, um, and I don't, I don't know if it would totally drop out of the polls if that happened, but just as a reminder, like, Carolina, if it loses that game, it's got to go to play at Gonzaga on December 18th still, and then we'll see him in person a few days after that in Vegas at the CBS Sports Classic against the UCLA team that, yes, UNC should win that game without a doubt, but um, the heels could really be up against it in a major way, and Cole Anthony's been uh, been solid. I, I still like the front line there if Baycott can, uh, can get back and get healthy there, but, but can I be real here, man? Like, they need more out of Leaky Black! They need more out of Leaky Black, okay? We sometimes to talk camel fighting, dead deer, and Leaky Black, and we got to talk about Leaky Black here real quick. 28.6% from two-point range, only 4 of 10 from three. He's a solid uh, power forward type, but it's time for Leaky to step up. If Carolina is going to be one of the two best teams in the ACC this season, it can't just all be Cole. Leaky, this is our plea to you. Time to step up, live up to the name, we need you. Time to stop. Stop worrying so much about your next mixtape and focus on basketball because you're you're not getting it done right now. 26 point minute, 26.9 minutes per game, 4.8 points, 4.5 rebounds, only shooting 31% from the field. I think he needs Pup Johnson. 
that's Puff Johnson coming next season. And when that when that team up happens, oh, oh my God, <laughs> it's gonna be like Watch the Throne. It is. We're gonna have Leaky Black and Puff Johnson come together to create Watch the Throne. We're gonna have those guys team up and give us our new bumper music to start the show. Um, okay, well, you did bring up Ohio State, and I do want to get to them. They are number two in my power rankings, only behind Louisville, because at this point, you own 25-point wins over Villanova and North Carolina, undefeated. You go on the road, you look that good. The defense is great. Uh, It's not just Caleb Weston, although he has been terrific as well. Um, DJ Carton stepping up. Dwayne Washington has been strong. And Chris Holtman, uh, an elite coach. Um, They've also defeated Cincinnati, by the way. But um, he just has a roster, when you look at it, you wouldn't think that this team is set up to be top 10 of the sport. Ohio State was in uh, Parrish's preseason top 25-1. and one. It was easily in the top 20, top 20 of my 1-353. Uh, to 353. So we expected the, the Buckeyes to be like top 3, top 4 caliber in what's turning out to be a, a good Big Ten. But they are ahead of schedule to stay the least here. And next up is Penn State at home on Saturday. Would fully expect uh, the Buckeyes to win that intra-league game. Uh, so credit to them. And, um, you know, a little bit of irony here. It was a year ago uh, when the net rankings debuted for the first time, and Ohio State, which was just okay at that point, was weirdly the number one team in the net rankings. And then that became reason for people to just, you know, mock the net way prematurely. Uh, But yet here, like, we're going to get the net rankings in about eight to ten days. It won't stun me if in back-to-back years the first publicly known version of the net has the Buckeyes sitting at number one in those rankings. So keep an eye on that because they got Penn State at Minnesota. And then after, I think it's right around that Minnesota game is when we'll get the net. Uh, very, very possible that Ohio State's sitting there and uh, Holtman's done a good job. They look like, Parrish, I mean, they look like the best team in the Big Ten right now. I got to say that after what Michigan could not do against Louisville. Did you forget Mark Turgeon exist? I think Ohio State's better than Maryland right now. Yeah, it's not crazy. I mean, I, 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 I could put them in any order. I've got them, I think, right now, Maryland three, Ohio State four. But if you want to argue Ohio State's better, um, there's a lot of data that suggests that. Certainly, Ohio State has accomplished more in this season. The, if the question, because I had an Ohio State fan ask, oh, well, how could you have – it wasn't ask as much as – Yale. How could you have a Maryland ahead of us? It's just a it's a byproduct of the preseason rankings. Maryland was sixth preseason top twenty five and one. Maryland is undefeated. That's how Maryland is three. It's it really is as simple as that. Now Maryland did get a, a nice win last weekend, but certainly to this point, if your point is Ohio State's been more impressive, um, I, I I can't argue against that. And I tell you, it's the second straight year that. Um, Chris Holtman's just got off to an amazing start. Started twelve and one last season, and then they 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 fell apart a little bit. So you know, keep that in mind. But this season now off to an eight and zero start, uh, but the metrics are all really really good. I, I think after they blasted Villanova, because you're right, we both had them in the top twenty five in one preseason, but it doesn't appear we had them high enough. And I texted Chris and I was like. Yo, man, next time, can you just tell me, like, yo, GP, you've got me, you've got me way underrated again. It's never gonna <laughs> like, happen. you need to get me into the top 10. And he was like, ah, it's still early. And, yeah. you know, he said all the things he always says. But um, he is tremendous. And he's got another really good team. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in person December 21st, CBS Sports Classic, Las Vegas. The opponent will be Kentucky. And right now, according to Ken Palm, uh, Ohio State would be expected to win that game 65 65- 
62. Uh, one last thing before we move to the final four and one, uh, circling back to North Carolina. I still have them in the top 10 of the top 25 and one. And the reason is because their two losses are to the teams I have fourth and fifth in the top 25 and one, uh, um, Ohio State and Michigan. So I don't think it's unreasonable when you've got a win over Oregon and losses to two teams in the top five for me to still have you in the top 10. But I'm also not ignorant to the, the numbers. And this is a team that is trending the wrong direction. They started sixth at Ken Palm. They're 24th right now. So even though they've got a big win over Oregon and the, the losses are not embarrassing losses, they're losses to teams I have in the top five right now, um, the, the, you know, the, the numbers connected to them are trending in the wrong direction. And now without Baycott, um, it could continue to, to do so. So they've got some stuff to get fixed. We'll see if they get it fixed. Again, Virginia, North Carolina playing in Charlottesville on Sunday. All right, let's get to the final four and one. And you, you want the updated? Let's make sure our records are, are matched up. Let's I've do got it. you at 9, 10, and 1. I've got me at 8, 11, and 1. That's what I got, yes. Okay, so I'm one game behind you, but this is the weekend, Norlander, it? where I catch you once and for all and make you this is the, I'm going to drag you like a dead deer. <laughs> okay. By the way, hold on. I got it. I so as in we're going to make these picks, but I I tweeted out the photo of my dead deer on Twitter. The reply I got to read a couple of replies. I'm giving I'm giving people shouts right now on this because <laughs> because some of them are great. Oh my gosh. Someone says this is a message. Take it easy on UNC on the podcast. Um, so, Benny Eastside goes, still moves faster than Virginia. Uh, the guy, <laughs> at the handle, at Zion Money Sun goes, no need to brag that you own land because <laughs> I said it was on my <laughs> front yard. I said it was on my front yard. Oh, my gosh. Somebody goes, Fairfield beats an SEC team. Now this, I live in Fairfield County in, in Connecticut. And then another one goes, God is telling you to take the under on Fairfield. Fairfield is the stag's deer, so that's why people are doing this. Oh, my gosh. And then someone else goes, Anthony Wireman goes, Quote, Kentucky should be in your not in your top 19, signed God, because I did not put the Kentucky Wildcats in my power rankings. You all made me chuckle as I was doing this podcast, checking the replies as Paris was talking earlier. Um, please don't drag me like a dead deer. Okay, let's get to the games, Paris. What do you got? Okay, so the way the Final Four and One works is I pick uh, four games. Uh, we use point spreads if they're available. If not, we use the projected Ken Palm scores to set a point spread. Then Norlander gets to pick the final game. That is one. We will pick them all against the spread. We'll keep tally, and I think we're playing for concert tickets or something. I don't even know. Well, actually, we have to, we, we need to decide the – no, because the concert tickets – are and someone sent me this after we did it, so I have it in my notes. I just don't have it in front of me. The concert ticket bet was we took the DraftKings prediction over under for like 14 teams. Remember, you probably don't even. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you do, I do remember. remember this. Okay, you, you actually do remember this. Okay, so we so that whoever gets more of those correct, that's who has the the winner gets to go to their concert of choice and the loser has to buy the tickets. We actually need some sort of wager riding on the season-long stuff. So let's try and get that. Let's give ourselves a week to try and figure out what we're going to do there. I got it. Winner winner gets to keep the dead deer. <laughs> the dead deer is going to be off my property by the time half these people have listened to this podcast. So that's not happening. <laughs> winner. Why would, the winner why, why would the winner want the dead deer? Why would the winner want Bambi? That makes no sense. 
people, I live in Mississippi. People got dead deer in their houses, dude. People have dead deer on their walls. I'm, I'm not, I'm not shipping you a dead deer. I don't even know how. I don't even think that's. I don't even think that's allowable. By the way, I don't even think you can cross state lines with what's on my front yard right now. Ship, ship me that dead deer head. <laughs> Rip that deer's head off. You want, you me. want me to go out, get some sort of of machete. If I get, give myself double tennis elbow with the machete, getting that dead deer off, ship it to you. I, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. If I gave you the proper tools and five hundred dollars, no, would you cut that deer's head off? I would cut the deer's. I would, uh, would define proper tools. Like whatever you need to do it. Well, like is it? Like it's easier with a chainsaw. Now that's going to get messy. Like, do I have facial? Pr- do I have a? Do I? Do I have? I don't even know. You know the thing that the when you when you're working in iron and you you put it over your face and there's just like this small there's a small little uh you know eye glass protector thing. You know what sure. I'm talking about? Like if if I can have one yeah. of those things, I have no idea what that's called. If I have one of those things and you're giving me a chainsaw and I've got like a whole outfit, uh, seven fifty. But if you're telling me that I need to that I need to do this with some sort of uh, machete or any kind of proper animal tool, I I think I'm gonna need two grand minimum. I could not. I don't think I could cut the. I don't think I could bring myself to do it. A, an already dead animal. Yeah, or anything. I don't think I could cut anybody's head off <laughs> or anything. I don't know how people do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. These these uh yeah. Uh, and we're going to a dark place right now. <laughs> by, by the way, we're talking about concerts. I bring this up um only because I know we have a by definition, we have a lot of college basketball fans um who listen to this and college basketball is very big in the Durham, North Carolina area. I went to see Dave Chappelle last night. Mm. And he was awesome. Tremendous. It's all new material. He's got like it feels like if he needed if he wanted to record a new Netflix special tonight, he could do it. And I say that because he's going to be in Durham, North Carolina um, tomorrow night. So Saturday night, Sunday night and then Tuesday night. He's got three shows in Durham, North Carolina. So if you are a basketball fan listening to this and a Dave Chappelle fan and somebody who's on the fence about whether you want to go or not, I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. He was uh, tremendous. So let's get to the final four and one. Yeah. First game, Saturday, noon Eastern, number 12, Arizona, at number 18, Baylor. Ken Palm has a projected score that would lead to a line of Baylor minus four. Norlander, what you want? First of all, this is a free game. Because the Baylor football team is t- is kicking off at noon Eastern, I believe it's noon Eastern, uh, against Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship, um, this game is tipping off, I guess, simultaneously or an hour beforehand. And being that it is Texas and it is Baylor, um, the tickets are free for this, which is uh, the best bargain in sports this weekend. Um, I'm actually interested to see how many people show up for this. Now, you've had Josh Green and Nico Mannion uh, – I think they're going to play, but they haven't been practicing all week. Um, so keep that in mind, Parrish, as you go to pick this game. But uh, I reached out to Scott Drew when I learned that this is 
a free admission. And he's like, if you can do something good for somebody, why not do something great for somebody? And, uh, yeah, this game is on the house for, for Baylor Athletics. I think that's just a really cool thing overall. So uh, that being said, I'm going to take Baylor here uh, to win and, and to cover because maybe we not, might not get Arizona at full strength. I just don't know what to expect there. They're going to have the home venue. Because it's free, maybe you get a little bit of a stronger home court advantage. Baylor actually doesn't have a usually a typically great home crowd until uh, early February just due to the nature of the program. It doesn't, doesn't draw as much fan support. So I will go with the Bears. Uh, Parrish, do I have this correct? This is one of only two ranked matchups this weekend. It would be this and then obviously UNC UVA. Do you know if there are, if there are others? I assume they're, we're picking them, but those are the only two that spring to mind. There's at least two more. Okay, then I just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Okay, I'm taking Baylor. <laughs> um, real quick on Arizona, uh, Zeke Naji. You know, the Arizona enrolled a, another great recruiting class, two five stars. One of them was Nico Mannion. The other one was Josh Green. And yet Zeke Naji is the leading scorer, leading rebounder, leading the team in blocks and field goal percentage right now. Four-star prospect, ranked 40th in the class of 2019. And I, kn I know Nico's been amazing, but mm -hmm. again, if you go and just who's leading the team in points, rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage, that's Zignaji. He's been uh, terrific. I'm going to take Arizona plus the four just because I think either team can win this game. So if you're going to give me four points, I'll take them. But um, I, I, if I had to pick just a winner, I'd pick Baylor to win the game, but I'm going to take the plus four because I don't think it's crazy if for Arizona to go in um, in Waco. All right, next game, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Here's one of the games between ranked teams. Number 20, Colorado, mm. at number two, Kansas. And Ken Palm would have a projected point spread of Kansas minus eight. All right, Colorado off to its best start in almost 40 years. Um, they are 7-0. This is set to be... Uh, probably the best Colorado team in at least 25 seasons. Two guys you should know about if you don't already. Tyler Bay, he's my Bay. Uh, very solid junior power forward. I can't believe I just said that. Uh, McKinley Wright the fourth is the other uh, guy to know. He's a point guard. I think that Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright the fourth will will look up four years from now, and they're both going to be on NBA rosters here. Um, uh, no doubt Tad Boyle would love if he could keep both these guys for another season. So a year from now, Colorado could be potentially, you know, like a top 10 team in America, but we'll see if that can happen. This is a tough task. It's a tall task. I did put the buffs in my power rankings, uh, ranked 16th, uh, which published Thursday. You can read that on the CBS Sports app. Eight-point spread. I think Kansas is really solid here, but I'll take Colorado to cover in this spot. Uh, I, I like what I've seen from Kansas. I think, that, you know, even what they've done with Maui, they get they get the benefit that, say, a Michigan State didn't. They went to Maui. They haven't had to play in a week and a half here, which is good for the which is good for the body clock. So uh, I think Kansas will win, but you're going to give me eight. I'm going to take Colorado to cover. You mentioned McKinley Wright and Tyler Bay. When we did our top 101 players in the preseason, we, McKinley Wright was number 16, Tyler Bay number 59, Tyler Bay right now leading the team in points and rebounds, 14 points, 11.9 rebounds, shooting 45.5% from three. He's right now, Tyler Bay, number six in the Kimpom Player of the Year ratings. So he is um, having a tremendous start uh, to this season. Um, I, I will – we had one – when we did our candid coaches, who's going to win the national championship, we did have one coach say 
Colorado. You are correct and about that. I just remembered that that happened. Um, because like we we had you know we had more than a hundred votes. Yeah. A lot of them Michigan State. One person said Colorado. <laughs> if you're listening, you know who you are. Yeah. And um and, and right so far so good. They 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 look good. And so Kansas minus eight. I'm gonna take Colorado plus eight. I just think it's too many points. I think Kansas wins the game. Like I don't believe I'll ever. Um, bring myself to to pick against Kansas at home, almost against anybody. But so I'm not doing that here. But if you're going to give me uh, an undefeated Colorado team in eight points, I'm going to take the undefeated team in uh, in the eight points on Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 19 Dayton against St. Mary's in Phoenix. Kim Palm has a projected point spread of Dayton minus two. Beautiful weekend of basketball here. A lot of just uh, interesting games. The reason why we're getting this is not just the 20-game league schedules, but as many schools prepare the following week to go into finals, this is the one weekend where you squeeze in when you're working in April, May, June to try and uh, assemble the non-conference schedule and you're trying to get another uh, quality game. This is the weekend where a lot of schools try and do it. Credit to St. Mary's. We've ragged on, ragged on them in the past uh, for not you know, scheduling, uh, scheduling up here. Now, this, is, this game is taking place. At uh, at the famous Talking Stick Resort Arena, um, uh, as part of the uh, the Hall of Fame deal, uh, this was the same spot, same weekend last season, where actually Gonzaga Tennessee played what I thought was a top five game of the regular season. We'll see if we can get some more of that juju there. Um, I put Dayton in my power rankings. I did not put St. Mary's. I will go with Dayton here. I still am a believer. Uh, very excited to watch this game, especially since my Bears. My Bears got a win against the Cowboys Thursday night. My NFL Sunday, it's freed up here. I'm excited to kind of dig into all the hoops on Saturday and Sunday. I will go with Dayton to win, and that would mean winning by at least two. I like them here, but these are both quality teams, and you should expect, and yeah, I use the word expect. At this point, I think that's fair. Expect that both of these teams will be in the NCAA tournament. St. Mary's unranked right now. But 9-1 and one on the season. They got a nice win over Wisconsin, a nice win over Utah State. The problem is they lost early to Winthrop somehow, 61-59 at home. And that's what's knocked them out of the rankings. It knocked them off people's radar. But they're two points from being 10-0 and 0 right now with wins over Wisconsin and Utah State. They would be ranked if not for a two-point loss at home to Winthrop. So that's a, that's a good team. But uh, I'm in love with Obi Toppin. So, like, plus I'm the—I don't know if you know who you're talking to here, but I'm the MC <laughs> okay. of the Atlantic Ten Media Day. There's no scenario okay. I'm picking against Obi Toppin and Dayton as the MC of the uh, Atlantic Ten Media Day. So I'm taking Dayton minus two. In my fourth game, Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, number nine Gonzaga at number 22 Washington. Gonzaga, according to Ken Palm, is a projected two-point favorite. I'm gonna take Washington. I'm going to take Washington as the home dog to win straight up. Give me Mike Hopkins. Oh, what? Yeah, that's right. You heard me. Yeah, give me the, give me the dogs here. Um, Gonzaga has owned this rivalry. I love that the schools still play each other. Uh, this is a geographically sensible rivalry that has continued and should continue in perpetuity. Um, but I feel like the public would be on Gonzaga in this spot um, I'll I'll ride, I'll ride Washington here. It's been good. The only loss to Tennessee so far. Uh, best win is against Baylor. Not much else there. So this is going to be an interesting test for him. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lean. I think Nazia Carter's been terrific for Washington. Isaiah Stewart's rightfully gotten a lot of pub. He's been a top ten freshman. Jaden McDaniel's not quite as much. Maybe he has a big game. Give me UW. 
Uh, I'll go Gonzaga just to be different, but I do not like picking against ranked teams at home, particularly just take, in rivalry. Then games. just take Washington. Like, you don't have to take yeah. Gonzaga to be different. I want you to take what's in your heart, that thing that I know is inside of your chest, because you're a caring man. My, you're a loving man. What? What's inside of my heart is wanting to drag you like a dead deer, and I can't do that if we match on every game. So I'm going Gonzaga because I want to. Dra- my goal here is 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 my goal here is to drag you like a dead deer. So I'm taking the Zags minus the two. I will echo what you said. Love this game, in-state rivalry, love it. I wish every every state that has schools that have an opportunity to do this. I wish they and it's sensible. I wish they would do this. You know, uh, the Memphis, Tennessee game is coming up next weekend. And Rick Barnes has already said, because he hates Penny Hardaway, <laughs> he's already said that, that this is probably the end of it. Right. Like literally a year ago, Rick Barnes was publicly saying how much Tennessee and Memphis needed to play each other. And it benefits both schools. And it's great for the state. And it's something that should never not happen and will always happen. And now he's like, I don't know, I'm done with it. Like, <laughs> he just can't stand. So I don't know if uh, the series will really end, but Rick is talking about ending it, which would be unfortunate because those games matter to the fans. Um, you know, if you if you're if you live in the state of Washington, you and you're a Gonzaga fan, odds are somebody in your family or somebody you work with, somebody you live near is a Washington fan. You have those connections and vice versa. If you're a Washington fan, odds are you know somebody married to somebody, cousins with somebody who's a Gonzaga fan. So you have that connection. In the state of Tennessee, if you're a Memphis fan, you've got friends or relatives who are Tennessee fans. If you're a Tennessee fan, you've got friends or relatives who are Memphis fans. So those games are fun. And so I give uh, Mike and Mark a tremendous amount of credit for, for making sure this game happens because games like this should happen. Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels, um, as you pointed out, the two five-star freshmen at Washington, they're combining right now to average 31.5 uh, points and 12.6 rebounds per game. So um, they have mostly, Isaiah Stewart, more than McDaniels, but both to certain degrees have lived up to the hype. And on the other side, Gonzaga, uh, on track right now to have a top five offense in terms of offensive efficiency for the fourth time in an eight-year span. So um, that that's a tremendous way to spend Sunday night. I know most people will be watching Sunday night football, um, and I probably will have it on a TV as well, but uh, absolutely I'll be in front of the television for that one. And this might be a scenario where we wait a little later on Sunday to record mm-hmm. than we otherwise would so we can wait till that Gonzaga-Washington game goes final. I'm definitely good to, uh, and down and game to do that. Okay, so before I get to my game, which is a Saturday game, just a heads up to the listeners, uh, many of you of whom will get to this in advance of Friday night. We're getting to that point in the season, almost there, where Friday is, 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 is the throwaway night of the, of the schedule for college basketball, but that's not the case on this particular Friday. So we're not going to pick these games, but I just want to let you know. 7 o'clock, Duke, a little bit slippery at Virginia Tech. See what they can do there. Iowa plays at Michigan in a 6.30 tip. Just want to see how Michigan responds from that, and Iowa's been pretty good, so I want to see what we can do into Big Ten there. Providence, I have not been more wrong about any team in college basketball than the Providence Friars. They play one of the most heated rivals games on that note what GP was talking about PC at URI I feel like this game is almost always every single year on a Friday night and it's always a great watch because it's in on campus uh, they, they flip it every year and there's really no reason for those teams not to play each other URI's got a shot maybe sneaking up being the dark horse team to come out of the A-10 and get a bid there keep an eye on that and then Stephen Friggin Austin plays at Alabama at 8 o'clock there um, 
you know, they got a long way to go. But if, if, if Stephen F. Austin could pull that off and then was able to be a dominant team in the Southland, it could have a shot. Could. Got to get, gotta get there. Don't get me wrong here. But they got to win the game. Could be one of those mid-major teams that, you know, develops a, a legitimate uh, resume. But they got to win the game. This is the last power conference team that Stephen F. Austin plays this season. You have to beat Alabama if you want to be one of those uh, potential uh, bubble teams in an unusual situation. So those are just some Friday games to watch. Now, my, my pick, my and one to watch is an undefeated team playing at home. Noon on Saturday. Game is at Fox. Butler is hosting Florida. As I mentioned before, Butler 8-0. They've been, they've been really strong here. Wins over Minnesota, Missouri, Stanford, Mississippi. Those aren't world beaters, but they're one of the few teams in college basketball that has four victories from teams against in power conferences there. I've got Butler fifth in my power rankings. They play Florida. If they get to 9-0, that'll be one of their best starts ever. The past two times Butler has started 8-0 have been good seasons. Chris Holtman, a few years back, got the Bulldogs to the Sweet 16 when they started 8-0. The most other recent time that happened, Butler with an 8-0 start, guy named Brad Stevens wound up losing to Duke in the title game. That same season they started 8-0, they went all the way to the national championship in the 29-2010 season. So we have Butler favored by six points per Ken Palm against the Florida Gators. GP, who are you going to take? 8-0 Butler at home or 6-2 Florida? I think 8-0 Butler improves to 9-0 Butler. I'm not going to pick against them inside Hinkle, but if you're going to give me six points in a preseason top 10 team with multiple pros, uh, I'll take those six points, sure. Yep, we are on the same page here. Six points is a lot. Florida will try and keep the game low scoring. Uh, if you told me it was four, I might go Butler here, but we are both going to take the Gators to cover the six there. So to recap, Arizona-Baylor, we disagree. I've got the Bears. Paris has the Wildcats. We agree Colorado will cover the eight at Kansas. We agree Dayton will cover the two against St. Mary's. We disagree on Gonzaga-Washington. I'm going to take the dogs. He's going to take uh, – I'm, I'm going to take the one kind of dog. He's going to take another kind of dog. I've got Huskies. He's got Zags. And then we both think that Florida will cover the six there loving it it is a fantastic week of co weekend of college hoops people so uh hopefully you can make the time to uh to get there say push you know what push off the christmas shopping get it done go go to amazon wherever this is not what you want to do at procrastinate i highly encourage it and uh yeah that's all i got man i got to go back and figure out what i'm gonna do with this animal that's on my front yard right now I, you have to get a video of you dragging a dead deer. How would you? How do you? If you had, to, if somebody said Norlander, if you don't get this dead deer out of your yard in the next ten minutes, um, you're going to go to jail. Well, I don't want to go to jail, so it's it's one versus another. How, like, how would you do it? Would you drag it by the head or grab its feet? I gotta go hind legs, man. I gotta I gotta get low. I gotta get I gotta get low. I'm actually standing up. I gotta get low like this. Get down couple of gloves on. I got some heavy-duty gloves, and you just pull. I just don't know how heavy that thing's going to be, man. I can't be t throwing my back out. I'm also hoping that I can get highway control to, to get out here. I'm not, I don't even live off a highway, but I guess that's what they call it. But yeah, that's uh, that's my situation. I just don't know what happened, man. Like, did it get hit by a car, and it was kind of like woozy, and was just it, it just made it a couple more feet, or did it? was it just like, this is where I want to die? This is where sometimes, it's going to happen. Sometimes things just expire, you know? Sometimes things just say, you know what? I'm tired. It's time to lay down and die. I'm ready for this. Okay. <laughs> I say that to myself every day. Okay. I, I, I say every day at some point, I say, I'm tired. I just want to lay down and die like that deer. But I don't actually do it. You know, I, 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 I go rank basketball team. <laughs> and then I wake up tomorrow and do the same thing oh, over and over again. Oh, man. 
All right, bud. Talk to you late Sunday night. Again. Talk to you on Sunday night. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. Fatigo. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe. I own College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. We're going to take one of the comments. Read it on Sunday. So you might get a shout out just like Larnell. So go do that. And we will talk to you again on Sunday night after Gonzaga, Washington. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.